0: Hello, test, test, test. Oh, this might be a little, a little hot. The mic's a little hot. (laughs) As am I in my studio apartment in humid Los Angeles, California. It's August 1st, 2021. And yeah, I'm here. I'm recording the pod um, because what else is there to do? Yeah, I've been absent, but, you know, I'm busy. I'm a busy woman. What can I say? Lots of things are happening. Um, First, I want to just thank our sponsor uh, today. It's um, a 36-pack of fake mustaches that I purchased on Amazon.com from close personal friend Jeffrey Bezos. Um, And the reason I bought these is because I did a bit... I did a bit at the uh comedy store roast battle. I don't know if you saw it. I did a roast battle with um Los Digits. Shout out to Los Digits. I hope you're well. <laughs> anyway, I wore a fake mustache on stage and um I don't wanna give it away, but like was the whole thing, see? It actually looks really realistic, you know, but the thing is, is I have 36 of them because it was cheaper to buy them in bulk than to buy one individually. So if um, any of my fellow comics need a fake mustache at any point in time, please hit me up. Let me know. And I will hook it up. They're actually super uncomfortable. Like this is awful. I know it's not how, like, a real mustache feels, but it's, like, I think it would be, like, super annoying to, like, constantly be doing this. Like, huh? <laughs> okay. Am I attracted to men with mustaches? Thank you for asking. Um, yes, I am. And it's probably a subconscious thing because my dad had one. We're g- We're going there. Instant, instantly we're already going there because that's who I am. I'm a person who goes there. So let's get into it. Um, there's a few subjects I wanted to talk about this week. Hopefully I will be uh, doing a new podcast every week from now on because um, live stand-up comedy is not happening again. Because you know why. Do I even have to bring it up? You know why it's not happening. It's because there's a virus. It's getting bad again. (laughs) And people are canceling stand-up comedy, which they should. Uh, Speaking of which, the comedy store where I performed last, most recently, that was a couple weeks ago, um, they had to close for a few days And I don't even, I'm not even going to say why they closed, but um, what I will say is that I got into it on an Instagram post with some strangers because I have a temper (laughs) trying to control myself. Like I'm, I'm a mature woman now, you know, I think I should be able to control myself, but sometimes I just, I just can't help it. I just can't help myself. So the comedy store is closed and they announced this on the Instagram page. And it's just like hundreds of comments of people being like, wow, you guys are like cowards for closing uh, because of COVID. You know, it's not a big fucking deal. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's how all comedy fans really sound I, no shade not my listeners but like there's so many people who are fans of comedy who are just like they want to be like purposefully ignorant and obtuse and they assume that everybody who does comedy is in agreement with them over like being anti-vax or whatever is that water on my dress i think it is um I don't know what other liquids I've been near today. Just water. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of comedians also who kind of play into this like conservative mindset and they do it on purpose and they, they don't believe anything they're saying at all. They literally do it just to like make money and sell tickets and sell merch because they know that There are people out there who want that type of comedy, like they want somebody who's like speaking truth to power or saying like, don't get the vaccine or whatever. When in actuality, a lot of these comics who say that are vaccinated because they don't want to be on the road or whatever and be in these rooms with people who aren't vaccinated. It would like ruin their career (laughs) if people knew this. It's so funny. I know about, I know about, um, one comic in particular who is very outspoken and (laughs) he's a really pop, he got really popular posting stand up clips. I'm not, I'm not going to say anymore, but he's really popular from posting stand up clips. My nails look really good, by the way. Thank you uh, to Karen's nails, Pico and Overland in Los Angeles. Thank you, Karen. Um, so he's popular from posting clips of his stand-up, and he has this brand where he's just like, "Yeah, man!" Like he talks about—I don't know if he like calls women bitches, but he probably does. And you know, he's saying like, yeah, "I don't know what's in the vaccine, blah blah," and he's he's vaccinated. He's vaccinated because he goes on the road, and he knows his fans are probably not vaccinated. Food for thought, folks, that, that, that some comedians, believe it or not, are not genuine in the things they're saying on stage. Some, the things that we say on stage are not true. Most of the time. Or they're exaggerations, you know? Like most of my act is exaggerations. Did I have a bad dad? Yeah. I did. But when I go on stage, I make him sound like the worst person in the world. Is it an exaggeration? To an extent, yeah. But um I'm not <laughs> the brand of my comedy that I've created off stage 100% of the time. I don't even know what my brand is. Crazy crazy bitch, crazy slutty angry bitch. It's something like that. I mean, (sighs) some sort of like misandrist type character that I play, which, you know, I'm a hypocrite. I love men. I love men. It's sick. I'm a sick woman. I'm a sick woman. I sleep with men. I date men. I talk to men. I have friends who are men. (laughs) Anyway, let me know if you are a man and you're interested in me. (laughs) Um, I bet you are. Uh, Okay. So people on the Comedy Store Instagram, um, they were getting like really angry that um, the Comedy Store closed due to a COVID issue. And they were like inciting like new precautions and training people or whatever. I know the truth behind this, so I won't get into it, but I know the truth because I'm actually in comedy and I live in Los Angeles and I know people who work at the comedy store and I go to the comedy store. So when strangers on the internet comment on a comedy store post, and these are people who either have never been to the comedy store, they probably are not even going to go to the comedy store anytime soon, Uh, they don't know anybody personally who works there, they don't know any comedians personally, and they're not in the industry at all, but they get on there and they comment like they think they know what they're talking about, you know, and people are like, "Oh, comedy store more like the communist store, what does that mean? It's communist to get vaccinated. That's what people are, are saying. Like our educational system is like so fucked up. Like people don't even know what communism is. Really. And it doesn't even, it's not even like a thing that works in practice. Like there are no countries that are actually like communist. I mean, I guess Cuba was at one point, but it, it translates more to, like, a socialism. But, you know, people, I mean, it was, are just, like, communists because of a vaccine. People, like, genuinely, like, want to die out there. It's crazy. Let them. No, but don't get get vaccinated. I would take a third dose of it right now if I could. So, anywho, I got into it with a couple people. I mean, somebody like was commenting like, huh, who owns the comedy store and who is making the business decisions over there? It's like, first of all, if you knew anything about anything, first things first, if you want to know who owns a building or a business, you can look it up online. In California, that's public record. Um, But then again, these are people who comment on posts on Instagram that have nothing to do with them. These are people who have empty, meaningless lives. And the only thing they derive any satisfaction from is commenting on things that are none of their business. Hold on. I have have two ring lights set up and... Is that better? I can't. If this video is going to be really hard to edit, I don't know. I think I'm going to just like break it up into chunks and like put some on TikTok or whatever. I can't believe I'm 34 years old and I have to like do TikToks for my career, which isn't going anywhere right now because everything's closed. Um, yeah, so... I responded to that comment. I was like, you know, um, they were like, does Polly Shore still own the comedy store? I commented, um, well, you know, it's the Shore Family Trust owns the comedy store, technically, which is true. And I also added in, sorry uh, sorry to disappoint you, but Polly Shore probably is not an anti-vaxxer. And then they responded like all angry. They're like, that's not what I asked. I'm like, but you like the tone of your comment and the thing you're asking. You're like, who's making the business decisions? Obviously, you're not like pro vaccine because what the comedy store is asking is for proof of vaccination from the audience, which is not unreasonable. And people are like, it's illegal to do that. It's, It's, you know, it's a HIPAA violation. It's not. Actually, a private business can choose to serve who they want based on a number of factors, you know, but people don't know that people don't, people don't read. They they just, they just want to get on Instagram and talk shit. So whatever. I don't know who the fuck that bitch was, but it was a woman named Michelle. She had like 20 followers. They always do. They always have, like, no followers. And they're mad. So, Michelle, I hope you're having a bad day. Um, (laughs) There was some other guy who, like, commented (laughs) and replied to me. He goes, like, whatever he said, it was so, like, grammatically incorrect. I had no idea what he was saying. He goes, well, I'm sure your high moral standards mean that you won't be working out of state because of the virus and like absolutely I absolutely would not work a comedy club at this moment in any state right now the virus is that bad right now <laughs> it's that bad there's like over 3000 new cases a day in Los Angeles right now also I haven't even like tried to get booked again I mean you have to like send out emails it's a whole ordeal. Like, doing stand-up comedy is such a fucking ordeal. It really is. It's a pain in the ass. And then you have to go entertain people who are rude, and they get too fucking drunk at the show, and they try to talk to you on stage, and they try to grab your ass, and God knows what else. You know, they'll be like, well, you know, you're actually funny for a woman. Shut up. I don't want to speak to you. Okay. I'm a coastal elite. I'm a coastal elite. I'm vaxxed. Um, Yeah. So speaking of uh, people saying horrible things on the Internet uh, that are completely unnecessary. Um, let's talk about the Olympics and Simone Biles. I know this has been talked about to death. I know it has. I support her. And I don't think that what she did dropping out of competition was frivolous at all. Because she could have seriously been injured. I think a lot of people don't realize that she basically experienced what is like, um, like a type of vertigo that gymnasts can get When they're, well they call it like the twisties But um it's kind of like a Lack of air awareness So like you could be like spinning in the air and not know where you are And she experienced that When she was doing a vault And she turned one and a half times Instead of, it's supposed to be two and a half times So she was Very short on the landing And she could have been Really really hurt So uh, a lot of people on the internet said she was weak for quitting because when she initially quit she cited mental health reasons okay and that's not totally wrong this is you know partially a mental health issue but there was also a physical aspect to it so you know there's all these people who all of these uh people who just like sit on their ass they're not athletes they know nothing of gymnastics. I mean we're talking about predominantly men who were saying this, of course. I mean I hate I hate to say it, but yeah, it was I, I didn't really I saw a couple of women saying shit like this, but it was mostly men. You know, some pick me ass bitches did get involved and like say, oh, she's weak. No, she's not. like she's honestly one of the most elite athletes who's ever lived. And that's how people talk about it. These are people who sit on their ass, drink Bud Light. They're, you know, either skinny fat or overweight. They've never competed in an elite sport on the global level before. And they're trying to talk about this young woman. And say horrible things about her. Gosh, I wonder why... She's having a mental health problem. I what a mystery! People on the internet are so fucking toxic. <laughs> like, I hate going on there, but I'm like, I'm addicted. I can't stop. So, um, as someone who personally knows a lot about gymnastics, I mean, what do you know about the Magnific- Magnificent Seven? Do you know about them? 1996, Atlanta olympics we all know about that that was the one where um the last uh rotation was carrie strug doing a vault but she was injured she was like really really injured and she stuck her landing she never competed after that but that was it the americans won gold and they also actually would have won gold without her vault but the coach at the time, Bella Caroli, look him up. I mean, now everybody knows the truth about this—about these coaches being verbally and physically abusive to these young girls—and yet nobody cares. Uh the fact that people were so fucking mad at Simone Biles, but not at the people saying these horrible things about her—it it does not compute. She was sexually assaulted by that doctor who was employed by USA Gymnastics. Doctor, I don't even want to say his name. I'm not going to say his name. The people were more mad at Simone Biles than they were at that doctor for sexually assaulting young gymnasts. Think about that. I, I wonder what it is. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it, it really is misogyny. It's misogyny its most basic form. Women are not allowed to complain. Women are weak. And then when they do complain, you know, you have to, like, say whatever to get them back in line. It, it, like, she's not being obedient, basically. Like, she's not obeying. Another thing that goes into it is that she's a black woman. So you have an element of misogynoir there. Okay. And it seems like a lot of like black female athletes, they like get at the worst, you know, like Serena Williams. Like some of the things people have said about Serena Williams are just like disgusting. I- I've always seen like comments, like being like Serena Williams looks like a man. No, she doesn't. She does not. She looks like a woman. She's a beautiful woman. And I think there's also another correlation with the fact that, you know, Simone Biles is a gymnast, Serena Williams is in tennis, and these are predominantly white sports. So these women are seen as invading a space, right? And I've seen like so many fucked up takes about this, about Simone Biles. They're like, oh, you know, that's not the spirit of sportsmanship. It actually is. Like, people are like, sportsmanship is about winning. It's about being number one. No, it's not, actually. Because she knew what was best for her team. And that was for her to not compete. And they still won. They won silver. And people are mad about that. People are mad about that. Like, how little do you have going on in your life that you're mad about that? Think about it. Like, you have to have nothing going on. You have a shitty job. Maybe you're not employed. You don't get laid. You're drunk. (laughs) These are just, I don't know. They're, like, kind of assumptions, but I'm, like, I'm good at guessing stuff. This podcast is not brought to you by this PH balanced alkaline water which allegedly has a ph of 9.5 but i looked it up and apparently it's a lie but i i i need alkaline water because i have some sort of like acid reflux and i think this helps but i don't know that's if you can see the video right now Hi, um Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like tired of the way that women are treated, especially in the public eye. I mean, quite honestly, you know, that's another reason why I feel like I've um, in a way like sometimes like subconsciously sabotaged my career in comedy just because the, the pressure is so unreal from strangers. I know I'm not remotely famous at all, but I get like... Even now, I get weird comments from strangers. I get, you know, DMs. I get sent dick pics from guys. You know, I get, you know, messages that are like, "I would, I would fuck the shit out of you," and you're so hot, blah blah blah. Then I get like horror, even worse messages that are like, "You're not funny. You're ugly," blah blah blah. I get mean comments on Twitter calling me fat, and I'm, like, barely famous. I'm not famous at all. Like, like minuscule amount of public attention happening here. And I still have had significant problems with people being mean to me on the Internet. So I can't even imagine the scale of that for someone like Simone Biles. It's ridiculous. Burn it down, burn down the internet. Can we cancel the internet? Literally the worst thing we ever did as a society was was prop up the internet. I think the internet is the best and the worst thing that's ever happened. Think about it. It's so bad, but we need it. I mean, now we need it, you know. It, it's here. It's here to stay. Um This is a good transition though to the next thing I want to talk about. The Woodstock 99 documentary on HBO. Who has seen it? I watched it. Quite honestly, it's one of the worst documentaries I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) It's like so, it's so strange because they're trying to like say things. They're, they're drawing conclusions about things. That are completely irrelevant. Like you're trying to make conclusions about things that happened 22 years ago and relate them to ideas and concepts that have just been recently coined and formed. So, for example, one of the things they talk about, (laughs) and I don't know, yes, I am old enough to have watched Woodstock 99 on MTV. And if you weren't, uh, must be nice. But I was 12 years old in the year of our Lord, 1999, and what a year it was. Um, I was in sixth grade. I had a crush on Alex Ocrasik. Hi, Alex, uh, if you're listening. Um, and boy bands were huge. I'm a Backstreet Boys girl myself. Not an NSYNC girl. Backstreet Boys can really sing. Can NSYNC sing? I guess Justin can, but he's awful. Looking back on it, he's bad. Not like his music, but like he's just like a bad person. Um, I can't tell you everything I know about him. But I live live in Los Angeles and trust me, I've heard things. Um, So also at this time, there was this like huge like teen pop sensation popularity. There was... um, you know, other genres of music that were like becoming huge and one was new metal. New metal. What is that you ask? Um it's like corn limb biscuit. Is that it? <laughs> now I have to make sure. I'm like how many like actual new metal bands were there? New metal <sighs> Let's read the definition. <laughs> new metal is a subgenre of alternative metal that combines elements of heavy metal music with elements of other music genres, <laughs> such as hip hop, alternative rock, funk, industrial, and grunge. Yeah, so Limp Bizkit is like it was like a band that was like rap, rap rock, rap. <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk right now. It's kind of late. um Yeah. Oh, here's some examples: Papa Roach, new metal. Stained, Pod. Oh, they count. They count. Lincoln Park as new metal. I did not know that. Uh, Kid Rock, he's trash. <laughs> but we, I'm not going to talk about him. Let's see. So basically, it's a fusion genre. There's so many genres of music that I, I can't even keep track. But um this makes sense to me. Okay, so the documentary, they're trying to dramatize things that at the time they weren't even that big of a deal. And they're trying to make it sound so dramatic, like it's oh my god, like this is like the craziest thing that ever happened. You know, they're trying to say that new metal was basically like a gateway to like alt right ideology. It was not. You know, they're like, oh, you know, there were, you know, there were kids there to see pop acts. You know, they loved the boy bands and Britney Spears and all this stuff. And they were clashing with people who like knew metal. They were not. I remember distinctly that everybody like listened to everything back then. Like people would listen to like <laughs> the Backstreet Boys and Limp Bizkit. And Korn and Britney Spears Mariah Carey Who was else who else was big? Sugar Ray. Do you remember them? Do you remember when Mark McGrath had his first face? He's had a couple of faces. Um, yeah, like they're trying to make it sound like it was this like really divisive era. But it wasn't. Like I, I don't remember that at all. I know I was only 12, but what they're trying to say in this documentary just makes no sense. They also try to act like it's the first festival where women have been sexually assaulted, which is like kind of insulting intellectually, you know, because there were women who were, you know, like flashing their boobs and stuff and like guys were like grabbing them. But and they're acting like this is the first time this has ever happened in history where a man like grabbed a woman's boob. It's not the first time and it's not the last time. But, you know, they have to, like, do some sort of, like, dramatization of this whole thing. And it was, like, at the time considered, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, you know, one of the craziest things that ever happened. You know, there were people, like, starting bonfires and people, like, ripping down plywood and crowd surfing on the plywood. You could see the footage, like, if you just go on YouTube and look it up. And then they were trying to, like, blame Fred Durst for, like, stirring up the crowd or something and making them, like, rebel. (laughs) But, like, what do you expect from them, from Fred Durst and the band Limp Bizkit? Hey, guys, calm down. It's like, no. Come on. There was also, like, a part where, like, Dexter from The Offspring is like, hey, we've heard that women are being groped. And that's not cool. Yeah. Okay. the The one time in history that a band said that on stage, probably. You know, it's just like so intellectually offensive for this documentary to be like, women were getting groped, the porta the porta potty smelled, and they were overflowing. Wow. Yeah. Outdoor festivals are horrible. <laughs> like they're like it's hot. It was hot. People got heat stroke. Yeah, it was hot. They always have these fucking festivals and like the worst time of year in a really hot place. Like the sun is just oppressive. People are passing. They were like water cost $4. I don't know. I think in 1999, $4 for water at a festival. That sounds about right. Water is probably like eight dollars at a festival now. I, I have no idea because because I don't know because I don't think I would ever go to a festival at my age now. I don't think I would I would have gone to one ever because they're miserable. These are miserable things that people go through just to see some some big bands, you know, that they're able to get together because they charge so much for these fucking tickets. And then the, you know, the promoters are like, oh, we're going to put all these like big acts together, blah, blah, blah. And people like, you know, they get it in their head. They're like, oh, this is going to be, this could be life changing. This could be great, you know? And then you have to shit in a porta potty. You're dehydrated. You might pass out. If you're a woman, a guy is definitely going to grope you. You know? I don't think I've ever been to a concert where women weren't groped. Quite honestly. <laughs> like, When there's, like, a large number of people in a small area like that, statistically, people are going to be groped. They're going to be sexually assaulted. Also, statistically, someone will die. I think one person died as a result of Woodstock 99, and it was from hyperthermia, like, an overheating. Anyway... One of my big takeaways from the documentary is that, um Limp Bizkit had some good songs. Do you remember some of their songs? Nookie? You should read the lyrics now and think about that song. Now. Cause I think a lot of people just like took it as like, you yeah, fuck this bitch type music, but like, and the, the song says a lot more than that. So. Yeah. What about Break Stuff? That, that was the song they had. Roland, I think. I think they their first big thing was like a cover of Faith, George Michael. But um yeah, they played Lollapalooza this weekend. And Fred Durst like showed up like looking his age. And people were shocked. They were like, oh my God, Fred Durst, he looks so old. But he doesn't like look old. Like he just has, he has gray hair. And he changed his facial hair. And people are like, oh my God, like, why does he look like that? He's 50. He's 50 years old. I know that shocks you. I'm looking at the lineup for Woodstock 99. Let's see. So it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hmm. Okay. So they had three stages the West stage, the East stage, and the Emerging Artists stage. Wow, almost nobody who played on the emerging artist stage is anybody who is like still really popular. So that's fascinating to me. Um, like who is, um, okay, why did Bijou Phillips play at Woodstock 99 on the emerging artist stage? Um, Chris Perez band. The 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 husband of Selena. He played Woodstock '99. Shocking. Okay, so let's see. They had. Okay, Thursday. Oh, G Love and Special Sauce played Thursday night. I've seen G Love in person. He's great. Nineteen uh, July twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Jimir Cheryl Crow DMX The Offspring Corn Bush James Brown G Love and Special Sauce Again Wow they get to play two nights Insane Clown Posse They're on the other stage The Roots Buckcherry Lit Wow Lit Do you remember them? You probably don't. This is the one they had basically like two songs. Yeah, my own worst enemy. That that was their big song. In the video they're in a bowling alley and they're all like, you know, wearing funny mustaches and shit. Uh call back fake mustaches, 36 mustaches, 799. Thank you, Jeff. Um Okay, July 24th, 1999. Oh my god. Counting Crows. Do you remember them? I've seen them. Dave Matthews Band. Amazing band. Don't hate. Okay. Number 41 is my favorite Dave Matthews song. So this is the same night they have... Okay, so Alanis Morissette. And then after Alanis, they have Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica. It's crazy. Who who is on this lineup that is actually like surprising? (coughs) Creed featuring Robbie Krieger from the Doors. Oh my God, the Brian Setzer Orchestra. Does anybody remember that song? I think the song was Shake Rattle and Roll. Let me see. Oh, jump jive and whale. Maybe I'm getting them confused with a different uh, swing band or rockabilly band. But that was huge. See how many like different bands and musicians were popular then? It's like a total mishmash that makes no sense. East Stage, Everlast, he was huge. Elvis Costello, Jewel, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then the other stage, Our Lady Peace, Rusted Root, Seven Dust, Collective Soul, God Smack, and Megadeth. Honestly, maybe it wasn't that bad. How much were the tickets? (laughs) I think the tickets were like $200 or something. And people were like, that's so much money. But I don't know. In retrospect, that sounds pretty good. But people were uncomfortable and they were like covered in shit and piss and stuff. So that's it. I mean... Woodstock 99, watch the documentary on HBO. I'm, I'm, I'm not affiliated with anybody on it or in it or who made it. And I don't agree with a lot of the things they were saying because you can't just like make stuff up to try to fit like today's political narrative or today's like social uh, events, you know, because I, you know, I think just because like things have shifted really recently in huge ways that we're trying to like apply these lenses to things that happened like in the past and it's just not working because nobody gave a fuck if like girls were being groped at Woodstock 99 or you know they like and also they try to say like oh, it was like frat boy like rape culture you know because Limp Biscuit was playing it's like okay they're like so far from that like Fred Durst I watched the Lollapalooza performance and he's like he's like asking the crowd like are you guys vaccinated and you know people cheer and he goes wow that's good that's really considerate of you and he also like says that he's happy that they're serving water in cans because plastic is so bad like he's obviously we know what his political views are just from that honestly even though he's from Florida Which is unforgivable, but he's obviously not some, like, crazy, like, anti-vax, frat boy type, psycho musician. He was, like, 28 when Woodstock 99 happened, so he was just, he was trying to have fun. That was, like, the peak of his career i mean olympus was such a huge fucking band i can't even like describe this to you i mean they were on mtv constantly they talk about that in the doc but like i remember that i remember them being on mtv constantly and on trl all the time <sighs> yes there is a carson Daly appearance in the documentary why not so watch it i mean you might be angry you might be sad you might be disturbed like I was, but it's it's worth a watch. Um, coming up, I do have I have another roast battle to rematch with Danielle Perez at the comedy store August seventeenth. I think it's main stage, main room. So we'll see about that. Um Yeah, follow me on the socials, you know you know it. Uh Fixed air Heather on Instagram and Twitter and on TikTok, Unruly Maruli. So guess that's it for now um and stay safe if you're not vaccinated get vaccinated stay away from unvaccinated people and uh hopefully this will die down soon okay take care (laughs) God I tell you in